millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Today we're looking at um, Go For Broke, which is, which was uh, made in 1951. It follows a single platoon of the 442nd Infantry Regiment. Um, the 442 was originally formed as a regimental combat team in February 43, and then quickly grew. And what mm. makes the unit unique is it's entirely composed of Japanese Americans. Yeah. Um, so they're second generation Japanese Americans, largely. And they're, they're serving in the U.S. military, while in a lot of cases, many of them have family in the Japanese-American internment camps. Mm, yeah, so yeah. It kind of gives the film 
a really unique sort of aspect to the war. Mm. And then chose um, to fight for the side that was incarcerating them. It's quite... Exactly. It's, it's a very moral uh, conundrum there, isn't it, really? Um, it's fascinating because, mm. um, just to jump ahead, like one of my favourite scenes is, is where two of, the, two of the platoon members chat about their family. And one of them is talking about the camps in quite detail, you know, quite a bit of detail. Mm. And he's explaining like the circumstances that the families are living in, like six, six families to a hut, you know, but they're partitioned. So they have a bit of yeah. privacy. I, I, I visited the uh, Buffalo Bill Center of the West in right. Wyoming and Wyoming had one of the actual internment camps. They had um, a, a recreation of one of the huts that they stayed in. Mm-hmm. And the, there was a really, um, really interesting exhibit there. And it just showed sort of like the, the confines that they were living in and how thin the walls were. And Wyoming winters are really cold, apparently. Mm. So you just got to wonder what the conditions in those camps were like. Yeah, it must have been very nice. Um, but we should get back to the film. Yeah, of course. No, um, it's always good to to talk about history. So the cast, um, you've got Van Johnson. Um, the reason that he's in it will become apparent later on. Um, he plays Lieutenant Michael Grayson. He's the new the new NCO, sorry, the new CEO on the block. Yeah, he's um, just been made up from, from like, Sergeant, hasn't he? Mm, yeah, into and he's a, a, into a... Into a second lieutenant or something like that. That's it, and he's coming from a, a, a Texas regiment um, who was a, a National Guard regiment, and he's quite yeah. upset, yeah, I think, the, that he... There's a little bit of exposition they explain mm. where he's from, what his unit is. Um, I was at the 36th Infantry Division, um, Texas right. National Guard unit that's that it, he wanted to leave. It, yeah. um, he's a bit upset about that, but... You know, we'll, yeah, we'll he wants get to. to he was expecting to go back to his own unit, wasn't he? Yeah, and then the great thing about this movie, as you know, battleground. We'll say it now. Van Johnson, Van Johnson's from battleground. That's what what we know him from on this pod. So much like battleground that Van Johnson stars in before this movie, also has a lot of veterans from the actual regiment itself. Yeah, from the regiment. Two. You've got Lane Nakano who plays Sam. Uh, later on, he became a, a, a famous singer. Um, you've got George Mickey, who plays Chick. You've got Akira Fukunaga, who plays Frank. Ken Akatoma and Henry Ozeasato, who plays yep. uh, Takashi O'Hara. That's it. And Harry um, Amada as Mazami. All those lads are genuine vets um, from the time. And I think when we watch the movie, it really shows because their movement, does. the way that they react to gunfire, just the way that they act in uniform, very real, very believable. You know, I'm not... Mm. I'm not looking at Van Johnson sometimes is a bit prim and proper and not, he's a little bit poster boyish, isn't he? But these lads, you know, a little little clunky. Yeah. Just a bit, but these, you know, the actual, you can tell they've all done it all before, just the way they wear their equipment, the way they move, the way they talk to each other. You can just tell they've been in, they've been in theater. Always brings that extra layer of of authenticity. Doesn't it? Mm. Uh, Well, it's, it's interesting because the platoon has this sort of like dynamic that comes across really nicely on screen. Doesn't Definitely. feel forced. Doesn't feel too no. sort of like written. It, like no, it, it doesn't. This they seem to be all on the same wavelength, and they know what they're going for within the yeah. scenes. And it's the dialogue, isn't it, between them all? Yeah. I think there's a, a sequence where the guy moves. I think he moves his helmet or moves his hat, and there's a picture of his girl. And the guy's like, "Oh, if I had a girl like that, you wouldn't make me volunteer. You'd have to get. You'd have to drag me out, sort of yeah. thing." And I think, "Oh, that's how guys would talk to each other," you know. Like I wouldn't well, leave like, home. Like we said uh, in in our episode on uh, Battleground, check that out if you haven't already, guys. Yes, please do. Um, we we talked about the writing in that, and it, this film's written by the exactly well, it's written and directed by Robert Pirosh. Yep. Who who wrote Battleground? And mm. we commented on 
the the believability that you know the you know the the feel and the vibe that the dialogue in that film created and, and we get sort of the same thing with go for broke yeah yeah you really do um, and it's written obviously you say by robert pierce who was in the battle of the ardennes so he's seen action as well so again you know this film is very true true to life you know he's writing from his experiences i you know i assume as he did with the battleground there's a lot of downtime and a lot of quick frantic action and that's how it can be sometimes yeah there's periods of a lot of downtime doing nothing there's like frantic five minutes of everything the stretches of of just normal life within camp or you know on the move yeah, yeah just then, then lazing about those little bits of you know those little set pieces of action mgm same studio that released battleground as well and the same cinematography by Paul C. Vogel, um, who who won an Oscar for Battleground. So, you know, the cinematography in this movie is still yeah. There's some really there's some really beautifully like set up mm. shots in this film. Really holds um, up. There's a nice mix of outdoor filming, some soundstage stuff, and yep. some contemporary um, footages included as well. So there's mm. some nice montages of like artillery fire and um, troops on the move, that kind of thing. I'd put a pint on uh, the town, the French town being the same town as as battleground it's got that weird slopey road yeah I think sort it, of curbs down yeah i think yeah, it might be the same probably just one of those little towns they have built on one of one yeah of the probably is. yeah it's probably still like go that. there so i'm not an expert on that so we'll have to go and be like have you got the town from good. battleground <laughs> <laughs> we're not we don't want to see we don't want to see disneyland we want to see the town from battleground <laughs> so getting back to the plot of the film Ooh. grayson's introduced and He's not expecting to be in um, the 442. He's not no, expecting not to be in a unit made up of Japanese Americans. No, no. And there's an element, well, there's a significant element of bigotry to his character yeah, when yeah. he's introduced. Yeah, uh, he, he does a good job of hiding it. Yeah, it's very of. subtle, isn't it? It's very yeah, subtle. He, he sort yeah. of, when, he's, when he meets his commanding officer, he, so, he sort of says, no, I wanted to be in the 36th, not in this regiment, not in this unit. And the, the CO is obviously... Um, experienced this sort of thing before and he sort of mm. like guesses that van johnson has a little bit of this bigotry and he doesn't want to be yeah, yeah basically yeah. commanding a, a platoon of japanese americans he just wants to be commanding texans that comes through but obviously he isn't you know he can't be transferred out so he's stuck with the 442 and he takes on the platoon and there's a great little like training montage of you know oh that seems great to know each other yeah that's, i love that. that's one of the best well, the, montages well, the... that i've seen the time that he first meets them all in their in their barracks, he just mm. he he just loses it, doesn't he? He's like, you know, this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, you've yeah, got them all on a charge. Yeah, he, he gets annoyed. There's dust behind one of the wooden supporting beams in the barracks, and it's like really yeah. picking on these guys. And I think that's for me. I was like, oh, okay, if they were Texans, he wouldn't probably probably would let that all slide. Analyzing that scene again, I was like, oh, hang on, is that is that his prejudice coming through, or is that him actually trying to drill these men? You're never quite sure. Yeah, well, I mean, early stage, you know, when when uh, his CEO tells him to to go and find uh, Sergeant O'Hara, mm. and he gets visibly excited when he hears an Anglo, an Irish name, yeah, and he assumes it's going to be an Irish American, or you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be basically going to be another white guy. But That's it, it. Yeah, it's the cashier. You know, it's it's a Japanese American, you know, it's, and he has to, you know, sort of accept this over time, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. Um, and but, he puts know, the... his men through the ringer. And it shows them going from these sort of raw recruits, shall we say, to you know the, the sort of well, well trained drilled unit. And it's you know it's a, it's a nice. It reminded me of Full Metal Jacket, sort of that that sort of scene of them becoming soldiers. I I liked mm. it, and the, the comedy came through as well, where they 
they were using each other as like stairs to get over that big wall. Yeah, I was about to mention that. So they're, yeah. they're trying to get over a, uh, over a wall obstacle, aren't they, on the mm. on an assault course, and they just can't do it. He manages to do it first, jumps the wall, no bother. Um, but they can't do it. But mm. they they basically sort of like form a human step, and they all get over, and then it's the really last good. two men just sort of like run around the edge before he spots them. <laughs> yeah, which is but a really nice little comedic element. It's it. funny, but also I yeah. think it is a bit trying to be mean saying that because they're shorter you know you get all the jokes within the movie of them being shorter than the you know him than van johnson but so when we meet sort of tommy like for a... the first time there's a great sort of like side by side shot of them mm. where like to- like uh, van johnson is is towering above tommy who's the smallest mm. man in the platoon yeah and tommy's in like a mismatch of of uh of kit and he's wearing like a like a service jacket with yeah, his, the, and with um, his sleeves skill- rolled up yeah and he's got leggings and he's wearing, gaiters on. got gaiters to like hold his pants up and stuff yeah. like that. It's just because they didn't have clothes small enough when they issued no. them out, yeah. which is really fascinating. I mean, That's that, a nice little hint yeah. at issues that that unit probably did and would have faced. Yeah, they would have had, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I know in wartime, you don't want to make like 10 versions or something because it's just expensive, but these lads must have had extra issues getting kit and it's nice the movie does touch on it. I think it touches on things quite well for the time period, you think of the early fifties, it's still a time of segregation. It's still a time mm. of civil unrest and things like that in the States. So, you know, it, I think it actually deals with the, with these, with these issues quite well for its time. I mean, maybe now yeah, you might look I mean, at it to and jump think, ahead, it sort of does that sort of um, trope where begrudgingly sort of accepts them for who they are. Yeah, he does. So he begins yeah. by othering them and, you know, mm. he's got prejudices and, and he keeps wanting to, to leave and join the other unit through the training and, and you know their first time in action mm. he sort of begrudgingly becomes appreciative of them as soldiers yeah. yeah and their command their divisional commander as well he he knows that the troops are good and yeah. he's he's trying to subtly say to grayson like look these guys are good at their jobs you're yeah. just you're just prejudiced against them yeah, you know you've got to give them a chance exactly and then through combat and through the, the movie they, they, they more more than so prove themselves in, in the in the face of battle than that yeah i mean you know. its tone is arguably a little ahead of its time yeah i think I so say. yeah i think you're right one of the interesting things that jumped to, to my mind was the context that the film's being made in it's, it's released in may 51 mm-hmm. so we're about a year into the korean war oh yeah so i'm yeah. i'm wondering if pirosh wrote it with perhaps rising anti-asian sentiment within the u.s yeah possibly Possibly, in the context yeah. of you know fighting North Korea, so it's another mm. Asian enemy. Maybe, maybe there was some yeah. sort of like thought about you know perhaps through this film we can we can sort of address some of these anti-Asian sentiments. Yeah, and also show that in the last war we all pulled together and fought a common enemy. So maybe that's what he's going for in yeah in this one. Basically, the the units kind of they're kind of eager to to, to get into the field, but they're yeah, also they want to get eager. Hope some of them are hoping to get to the Pacific to fight the Japanese, That's which it, is yeah. a really interesting dynamic in itself. Mm. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, there's that really interesting conversation between Tommy and I think it's is it Sam? Yeah, I think so. Tommy basically explains to Sam that he's from he's from Hawaii, and mm. his, both of his parents were killed during the attack on Pearl Harbor. Phenomenally powerful when you think about it. So you yeah. have this second generation Japanese American that wants to go and fight Japan to avenge, you know, his parents that have been killed. That's a really interesting dynamic. Sam mm. explains that his parents and family 
are all in internment camps. The, the themes and things, you know, it really makes you think. I think, and I think for a movie of this time, a lot of them are just B-movie sort of shtick, you know. They don't try and tackle actual issues like this, you know, mm-hmm. an actual systematic sort of prejudices and things that have been, you know. Yeah, you can definitely tell that Gopher Brooks trying to address yeah, issues. Yeah, you know, whether, whether it does it well enough is, is for another sort of podcast. But, you know, I think for a war movie... It, it definitely does a, a real good job, I think, of actually trying to, you know, one, it's trying to just show the history of this regiment. Yeah, which you is a, it's a, a fascinating regiment in itself. Oh my like, gosh, you know, name a medal they didn't win, you know, you know oh my Most my decorated word, you know. unit of its size you know, in US military history. That's amazing. No one can turn around and say, well, though, why are you making a film about these lads? What do they do? You know, it's like, well, you look at the medals. Completely deserved. Yeah, exactly. And it also, it goes from Italy to France to n- near Germany. Basically, um, yeah, it basically follows yeah. them all the way through right to um, late '44, like on mm. the line. And just um, from a just from a film point of view, I mean, like the scale of it is really impressive. You know, I believe they were in Italy, and then when they switched to France, yeah, they were in, damn well were in France. You know, one of the things I like that signposted that was um, Van Johnson gets these little booklets, like a guide. Oh to Italy, yeah, they were great a guide to France. Yeah, and he's sort of like there's a there's a narration and overdub of him reading some of them and some of them are kind uh, yeah. of like humorous where he's like and you'll be delivered breakfast in your in your room and you know That's you it, might yeah. not be used to the the, the french rail carriages etc mm. and it's just these little things that sort yeah. of signpost but then there's a there's a bit where his sort of redemption arc comes in where he gets the one for italy and he starts reading it and it's all about look you know the italian people are, are not what you think they're going to be like actually they're they're like this and you know, and then he sort of looks over at his men and he's like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I felt this is exactly how I'm like with them. Yeah. So he's, you know, he does have a redemption arc, which is is actually it's quite good. You know, it's not fantastic. I don't think it's Yeah, it's a, it's a little forced. It's a bit hackney. The unit goes to Italy. They fight their way through Italy. Mm. Um, they gain a reputation for being a good combat unit. Yep. They are transferred to France once the um, the invasion has taken place mm-hmm. and they fight their way through France. By that point, Grayson's been transferred as a liaison officer. Yeah, well, he says, doesn't he? He says, like, oh, if ever I get the chance, I'll, his commanding officers, when I get the chance, I'll transfer you because you obviously yeah. hate it here. And interestingly, by that point, he doesn't want to be transferred. No, he doesn't want to. He's, he, he respects him. He's completely, you know, accepted and has, you know, has changed his opinions of, of, of yeah. the 442. So he's been transferred out and it's kind of rushed. There's a scene where he meets one of his old squad mates, a Sergeant Cully, who's played by Don Haggerty. He meets in a bar, and at that point, the 442 and the 36th are sort of working together as a, as a um, regimental mm-hmm. combat team division. Cully's like mouthing off about, you know, um, I don't want our artillery being provided by the 442 or, you know, the Yeah, Japs. yeah, yeah. Oh, those um, damn Japs, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and Grayson takes him outside. And they basically, oh, yeah, like, they... he confronts him about his bigotry. Yeah. Um, which is the point in the film where, you know, it sort of like flips it. So Van Johnson's mm. character is like, he's realized that he was bigoted. That's and it, yeah. It's painful to see his previous bigotry reflected back to him by his old friend. And they have the most 50s fight ever. Van has the best punch and like lays yes, the man out. Exactly. But it's um, very much like, you might as well just blow his knuckles off after he's punched him. It's like, it's a bit slapstick. Yeah, there might as well be some like power sounds going on there. But... I, I think there is, yeah. It's like <laughs> you're punching meat, you know, like Rocky Hams, you know. It's just like, what the heck? So after his fight with Cully, it transitions into uh, the last act of the film is a, is a significant battle. Mm. And there's a unit that's pinned down and Grayson basically 
leaves his position and sort of flanks around to try and yep. find a way around them. It's at that point, sort of like Cully comes with him and he sees the, the 442 in action and he, yeah. he realizes that he's been bigoted. And that's where that clunky sort of like is a bit payoff of Grayson's yeah. arc comes in, where you know Cully is talking to uh, I think it's Sam, mm. and he explains that oh yeah he he slugged me once because I I you know I thought you were, it's very you were like it's very macho man thought he's talking you know oh um, Grayson's not so bad after all it, yeah it's kind of but he did kind of just sod off and leave us at the first opportunity even though you sort of did it once so he was okay with it anyway i think yeah, it's a little bit like okay johnson's character is really interesting in this film yeah. because yeah he's at once a good officer and also a particularly bad officer mm. so he, he sort of he does lead his men by example when he does the you yep. know the training yep. montage and he's running them through um long distance marches and and uh, the assault courses etc mm. But then, you know, once he's in the field, there's a there's a scene where he asks his men to cover for him while he sort of like fraternizes with an Italian lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then his entire unit moves on, and he's left being a wall. It's just, uh, it's just kind of a the jarring. Whole, scene. The whole middle sequence of the movie is just a bit slow for me. I mean, I think I mean we might talk about things we didn't like it later on, but uh, you know, you, I feel like you cut out a lot of it, and it's not. It's not any sort of putting down of the, the four four two or anything like that. It's just, I just as a movie, it's just a little bit of yeah, uh, pacing film. The, the way pacing's it's a bit doesn't... off. But anyway, I think we'll leave that for the for later on. It actually follows them all the way home, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It yeah. shows at the very end of the movie um, the the actual four four two receiving the uh, from, unit uh, citation from from President Truman. Truman, yeah, which is really nice. I think they could have recreated that. That'd been nice to see. Good to see it though. I liked hmm. it. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. My Ali Tally this week is, it's not necessarily like one thing because the movie's quite light on action. Not in a bad way, it's just there isn't many action scenes. But it's just nice to see all the different types of American kit on display. Like there's a BAR gunner with BAR gunner pouches. Yeah. And not only does he have BAR pouches on, he's got a Mackinac coat on. Whenever do you see a Mackinac coat? The subtle changes between fighting in the summer months with their M41 jackets to then fighting in the woods where they've got all their great coats on and scarves and things. It's just subtle, but it moves the plot along nicely. And it, and it the kit is very good. Yeah. It just helps to show, like, show you where you are. You know, when they're in it's Italy, not that bare minimum that you sometimes no, see in lower no. budget films where it's just like a handful of pouches on a, mm. on a, on a, uh, on a belt and you know, that's it. And K yeah, ration that, boxes as well, things like that. Exactly, you know? like yeah, proper proper ration boxes mm. and that kind of thing. I think that's where the the for me the the um the connection between Battleground showed a lot mm. because it that movie had really good accuracy in it. Yeah, it's that attention to detail. Yeah, you know, there's no the Garand ping isn't ramped up to five hundred. You know, not every single Garand clip pings, things like that. You know, just and the way the men move and everything like that. You know, them being vets, them having served, really serves this movie. You know, they don't just run to the next bit of cover. They make sure they crouch and run quick, you know, in yeah. a certain way. You know, when when the BAR gun is firing, he has his hand on the the stock, stock sometimes yeah. to to steady himself. It's uh, it was difficult to pick out a single piece of kit, but for me, I always love seeing that in movies because it's just I just love the attention to detail. You know, it doesn't have to be that 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 nice, but it just it just adds an extra layer for me. So, Matt, what about you this week? 
there's there's a lot in there like you say i mean um the bar is really cool like mm. it's really interesting to see a bar well handled oh yeah I mean, he knows what he's doing and that guy and and the cinematography takes advantage of that there's some really nice scenes that have been laying down fire with the bar yeah. um, it's george mickey is the bar gonna yeah chick I think. chick yeah, that's, that's the one yeah isn't it yeah, yeah. well for me th- there's a a couple of picks, and they're all firearms this week. So. Of course, you're the firearm guy. The term alley by just yep. picking cool kit from the film. It's fine. But that's what the alley tally is. It's our sequence. So, we do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so my pick is uh, the inclusion of a G43. Oh, but yeah, I mean, you never see them, do you? Rarely. It's super rare. And when I watched it for the first time, I was kind of shocked. I was like, is that a G43? So if you're not familiar, a G43 or a Gewehr 43 is... A, the German semi-automatic full-caliber rifle, kind of their equivalent to the the, the Garand. The Garand, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very rare that you see see them in films. Mm. So it was really interesting to sort of like have it in that scene. And it's it's in a scene set in Italy. A couple of the guys have been to pick up uh, water for That's the rest it. of the platoon. Yep. And they run into some members of another uh, Japanese-American unit, the Hundredth, and they they're chatting, they're drinking, they're drinking some wine, aren't juice. they? That's yeah. it, yeah. And all of a sudden, from the wreckage of a of a, a building or a barn, um, two Germans open up on them. A guy with a submachine gun, which we'll get to in a second. Oh god, yeah. There's a guy <laughs> with uh with the G forty three. And it's really interesting. The dynamic of that scene's really odd. Yeah. It's the a Germans bit. would never have opened up. And the way that the men move up the hill through the through the vines is really good. I like that bit. That bit redeems but, that scene. Yeah. The Germans would never have like tried to play whack-a-mole. It's a bit, isn't it? I think it's, about it. It's, it's really, really whack-a-mole, like yeah. I think it's filmed so you can have that nice shot of them coming up the hill. Not it's, necessarily... It's a really beautiful shot. It's a lovely shot. Like, obviously, you've got vocals doing his work there. But mm-hmm. when they see the men moving up, it's like they know where they're going to be because it's it's been blocked. The scene's been blocked. Yeah. So it's just good blocking. But I'm like, well, no, if I'm pointing in one direction, I'm not necessarily going to see a man in my peripheral vision coming up, sneaking up on me. Exactly. And the, the, it's very unlikely yeah. that two Germans would have opened up on a squad of American soldiers. Five guys, something like that, I see. Yeah. Five or four it of is. them. It's five guys. The most interesting thing about the scene is the weapons. Oh, so yeah. you have you have that G43. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get some really nice like close-up shots of it too which is yeah you do and there's a sick there's a shot where sad. they've got them and it just it's nicely laid on the little bit yeah. of cover like just yeah. like a it's almost yeah. like an advert for the g43 it's like look what we've got guys <laughs> we've got a g43 look at how cool it is the mystery in that scene is the submachine gun that the german yeah. officer has very and weird i can't i can't pin down it's supposed to be an mp40 yeah um and some sources suggest that it's a a rising uh, M55 that's been sort of like mocked up to look like an MP40. Yeah, that's has what I it, found. As the MP40s yeah. fold in stock, has that sort of like the underbarrel rim, mm. the rib of the of the MP40. It's like they just welded the bits of metal to it. There's no front sight. That's really odd, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre. And it shows you up later on as well. And you get it a bit. It shows up in the scene where they attack a German HQ. That's it, yeah, it's like on, on the where the ruins are. Yeah, those ruins. Um, but then you don't see it in the the mountain scenes where they really leave no, the hundreds. So in the final act, the, the battle in the final act, you don't see it at all. No, in you fact, don't. they make pains to sort of like show again. We've got a real MP40. With a <laughs> yeah. real MP40. It's just odd. Maybe they were shot on, you know, obviously clearly different locations, but maybe they were shot 
completely different armors or something. Availability could have been. It's an odd gun. You never get a good enough look at it yeah, either. It's, I was going to say you don't get a close enough look at it mm. to sort of like go, oh, that's definitely. This. Here's one for the Foff listeners. You can watch this movie for free. It's public domain, so don't worry. Yes. Look this scene up. Tell us on Twitter at Fighting on Film what the heck you think this gun is, because we we want to work it out. Because it's it'll do Matt's head in if not, he'll have to write a thesis on it or something. Um, <laughs> it could be, it could be an M55. It could be, it could be, it could be, but it's but, it doesn't look right. Anyway, so that's that's one of my picks. And, yeah, um, that's two of my picks. I'm I'm going to cheat. I'm going to talk about a lot of weapons today. That's fine. Um, the the, the alley tally is 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 one is anything, isn't it? It's it's, fine. it's a it's a free for all excuse mm. to talk about anything cool. A lot of BAR action that we've already mentioned, which is yeah. great. No Thompsons though. No Thompsons. M1, nice M1 carbine though that, yeah. that Van has, and he has his proper yeah. M1 carbine pouches and everything else. That's nice, nice to see, I guess. Detail once again. Yeah, you know, weirdly no Thompsons, but then maybe they were never issued with them. I don't know. You know, it's you know, in some war movies, you'll have an entire squad with Thompsons. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Completely, you know, you know realms of sort of like fantasy, but you know, I think the representation that they they show with the the M1 carbines, the M1 grands, and the BAR. Very, very plausible, very believable. Probably the likely loadout for the, the platoon at that point. Yeah, I mean, I've seen photos of um, the 442nd in in theatre, and and some of them even got Springfields. So yeah. you know, I'm like, this okay. is like 44 onwards. So it's like, you know, they. I'm, I'm assuming you just get issued what you get issued with. For me, the alley tally is quite light this week. Um, for me, at least, um, purely because the lack of sort of battle scenes, and I wanted to save a battle scene for my favourite bit. I mean, the favourite scene for me is when they're the the, the, they're, the squad are walking down this little road in Italy, and it's mm-hmm. like a dust track, and there's some Roman pillars in the in the in the ground, like broken ones, relics. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, you can tell they're Roman because of the pillars." And then the, this machine gun opens up, and they all like run off the road and take cover. And I, I like that shot; it's a lovely little shot. Yeah, um, it's good. And it cuts to sort of the mortar team sort of putting fire onto this MG position. Yeah. And you got Van saying like, "Little over to the left, little over to the right." Like <laughs> I can't do Van Johnson's voice, <laughs> but no, I just like it because it shows the mortar being used, like in a really close, close combat role. And I really like, I like to see that. I like, just love mortars anyway. I think they're really cool. And then one of the lads, you rarely see them in films, and you mm. definitely don't see. So it's an M two sixty millimeter mortar, and it's from it's from uh, the weapons squad. Yep. yep. Um, probably detached from the weapons platoon. So each. Mm. Each uh, US Army company at, the, at that point had a weapons platoon and had heavier weapons, like heavier mm. mortars and 60 mil mortars. So it's really rare that you see that anyway in a film. But even but down it's to... It's nice the... that they, they show it ranging in and yeah. also pinning down the Germans. That's it. And equally, like, you know, you've got someone spotting for them as well. And then one of them gets injured. Um, and then the, the sort of... He brings the mortar up closer, but he brings it without its little mount. He puts some... It's Tommy, isn't it? The littlest... Tommy, that's it, yeah. Well. Yeah, because he always gets grief off of... Van Johnson for being short because even when and they he's run, been shot in the leg. That's it, yeah. But even when they run up to help, he goes, "Oh, not you. You stay there." But he <laughs> he shows he shows grace in what he's made of because he, in the end, he brings up the mortar close enough to get a good shots yeah. off. But he's injured and he uses his helmet as a makeshift. Is it plinth mortar plinth? Yeah, it's the base. The base, base player mortar the mortar, base. Yeah. Oh, plinth sounds better. Let's put on mortars on plinth, guys. The, the listeners all know what you mean. Yeah, they know what I mean. The bit you the bit you put the gun on. The tube, sorry. The bit you put the quite, tube. Quite right, tube. So he gets a shot off. But all in the wire, you get these nice sequences of the Germans firing back. 
And there's a really sexy looking MG42 with a drum mm. mag on it. Really nice yeah. to see that. You rarely see a drum mag on there as well. Yeah, so. nice. It's a nice little addition, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then in the end, they, you know, they they destroy the, the the Germans thing, and then they sort of turn the MG42 around on the escaping Germans. Absolutely, Absolutely. light up an Opal Blitz, Pepper, didn't they? Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. a truck. Absolutely <laughs> light it up. Um, but it's just a really nice little sequence again. Sort of, sort of does action like it, like battlegrounded action. It was a mm. lot of sort of men in the field. And then, as I said, the starting of five minutes of, of frantic action. And those scenes are shot really nicely. There's a nice dynamic flow to them. Yeah, There's yeah. There's a nice mix of close-ups and and wide shots mm. um, that I think, you know, conveyed the emotion of the men that are you know, fighting. But I think as well, that scene might be the start of Van Johnson's redemption arc because he's not been in combat with them yet properly. True. In the movie sense. True. And then when the German officer comes out, who I think's the same officer as the one that was shooting at him in the vineyard, convinced it might have been the same bloke. Could have been. Um, yeah. But he's like, oh, so soldiers, what are they? You know, like really yeah, shocked. He's, he's surprised to see Japanese. Really uh, is. Yeah. I mean, you would be, wouldn't you? You'd, um, be, you'd be confused. Yeah. And he's like, oh, didn't Hitler tell you the Japanese have, um, have surrendered and they're, now they're fighting with us? That's a great pick because I love when Tommy sort of like fills his helmet. It's really to, good. To, to make that makeshift. Yeah. Base. really good and it's just a really nice scene it's just mm. a, a clever and you so rarely see mortars especially um, used being in like a proper close close fire support role as exactly. well so great pick. yeah so matt what's your fave this week i've got a couple like Ooh. my first favorite uh has to be that shot of the final battle the opening of it mm. where the, the camera sort of emerges through a couple of trees and then it looks over the precipice of a cliff yeah. down below is a forest and you can see shells landing mm-hmm. explosions yeah that's it's a nice just a scene. really beautifully fla- like framed really shot. good yeah it's and you're not so quite nice. sure what you're looking at until the shell fire starts exactly. going off it's really nice you know and that's and that's the cinematography coming through again yeah it's vogel vogel working his magic really, isn't it it's really just good. a really nice shot mm. and then in amongst that sort of sequence there's another couple of nice bits where they blow a tree down like a, they blow some trees down to make a path for a tank Yep. But they also there's also a, a you know a tree that gets blown down by a shell and it lands over a trench. And that's the kind of practical effect that you don't you don't see a lot in you know films of the year. And you know, so, sometimes it's a little bit lazy, they just like let off a few explosions in the background. Mm. It's the attention but to detail, I think, that this movie has. It is, it's that attention to detail. Yeah. Right. There's one little scene that I loved, um, which isn't a battle scene, it's one of the men's wounded mm-hmm. and he's taken back to an aid station. And He's holding his rosary in his hand and oh, yeah. the chaplain comes over who's played by uh, Hugh, Hugh Beaumont and the chaplain's, you know, trying to comfort the wounded and he comes over and he says, I'm glad to see that you have, you know, some comfort. Yeah. I'm here if you need me looking at the rosary and the wounded member of the 442 basically explains, I'm not Catholic father. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Buddhist. This is a Buddhist. Different rosary. kind of rosary, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they're called a Japamala. Yep. And um, he's, you know, it's just that really nice sort of mm. like little inclusion that gets yeah. across the differences between these men. But the chaplain just turns to him and says, shout me if you need me. You know, he's, yeah. he, there's no sort of like... He's uh, not going to try and convert just, him or anything like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or how dare it's you, just, you know, it's like... It's just one of these little scenes that is quite clever. It's really mm. cleverly written. It's a nice touch. And that's, that's, I like one, that. of, that's one of my other mm. favourites. I think there's a, there's a joke that I'd, I'd sort of liked it in a... Not in a like a mean way, but I thought it did make me laugh. Um, 
when they when they dig in their foxholes and they have to they go up to start the relief effort mm. and this this trooper comes along and he jumps in the the slit trench the guys dug and yeah, he's one like when the Texans he's like you know what I don't like about these hundred hundredth guys these are the four four second guys and he goes oh what he goes oh they dig them they don't dig them long enough <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts digging like he's deeper down i just really made me laugh i like yeah it. and and that plays in nicely as well to show that the attitudes towards them have changed yeah exactly within, yeah definitely within the division they've sort of accepted them mm. you know the worst that they do is they don't dig scrapes long enough yeah exactly <laughs> it's not like a big issue is it you know So Matt, any final thoughts this week on Go For Broke? I enjoyed it almost more than Battleground. Wow. Actually. Wow. Because I found the the additional layer of complexity that the story of the 442 brings to mm. almost mm. more interesting than the tale of Bastogne. Um, okay. Is it because maybe Bastogne's been a bit, not overdone, but like you had a bit of Bastogne fatigue, maybe? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, perhaps it being a story that I'm not as familiar with mm. gives it something fresh to me i mean no, perhaps right. that's the case um mm. but i found it really interesting you know the dynamics that they were trying to get across between the you know the the sort of shift from bigotry to uh you know acceptance yep. that grayson has and also sort of the portrayal of the men was interesting too you know it showed them as equals it showed them as soldiers it showed them yep as being you know interesting characters they weren't a plot device yeah, which, I like which is much exactly preferred their sequences than I did Van Johnson's sequences. Yeah. Much, much I don't, preferred. I don't, I don't mind Van Johnson in this film, but he's not particularly interesting. No, I find outside him... Outside of the yeah, development of his character. I don't know, man. After watching a few Van Johnson movies now, I kind of give or take him. I think... Mm. I, I'm not trying to be overly critical of his acting abilities. You know, he's a massive star in the 50s. I can't be denied, but... It's like he has two acting styles. It's like disgruntled or surprised. And I, <laughs> I think I mean, the benefit of that, of Battleground oh, is it's more of an ensemble piece. Yeah, he's barely in it. To be fair, like Whereas in Battleground, Go for Broke. He's sort of like there's the ensemble of the platoon, yeah. and then there is Van Johnson's interaction mm. with the ensemble of the platoon. There's too much. Like initially, I mean, not later on. There's less of him, but like initially, it's like just Van's sort of exploits, and I'm like. I don't particularly care about Lieutenant Grayson trying to find the Texans. I think that's actually quite irritating. You know, you're yeah, meant, I think yeah, it's meant to irritate you, but I'm like, I'd rather a, know what... weird scene where he sort of know. like runs into a town while the train yeah. sort of like paused for a moment that they're yeah. on the way to somewhere in, up the line. And he runs, he runs through the village to find someone playing the piano and singing a, a Texan song. That's it, yeah. And you just think, why? Why is this in the film? Like, it's just a bit, it needs to be, I could, like, as I was saying earlier, before we started to record, like, I think, I feel like I could cut about 20 minutes out of this mm. and you wouldn't notice, you know, mainly you'd be cutting out Grayson, maybe back in the fifties, you know, maybe because he was a big star, people would have been a bit more engaged, but watching it a few days ago for the pod, he just grated on me a little bit. Someone else could play him a little bit more. I don't know. It's a bit more sincerity with it. I don't know whether sort of fans acting, mm. All the acting yeah, of the year, or sort someone of with a little more depth, and, and yeah, you know, might have lifted that character. Mm. A little but that's more. my, yeah, that's not really criticism, really, with it. It's a bit like I don't, I don't really care that Johnson's character is sort of not super important because really the story is about the four four two. Of course, I find it is, the dynamic yeah. of the of the platoon far more interesting than his character anyway. 
I think that's why I got annoyed with him. Because I was like, I'd rather see what the 442 are getting up to than what Van if you want. Oh yeah. no, oh no, Van's not gonna go back to his regiment. Oh no. Oh, I'm so upset. Like, I couldn't give two fucks, mate. That's the dynamic of the film. And yeah, I think it does work. I do enjoy the film. I, I thought it was good. Perhaps those elements that you mentioned there come in because I think this might be actually Pirosh's first directorial effort. Okay, that would make sense. So that might be. Uh, uh, sort of an, an issue with you know an inexperienced mm. director not knowing when to cut parts that don't particularly work well with the yeah. rest of the movie yeah. perhaps although he was nominated for an Oscar for this I don't think he does another war film actually I know he wrote Hell is for Heroes with Steve McQueen but he didn't direct that um, oh did he I didn't know that yeah he did he wrote that one that's a bit of a Thompson fest actually I mean I sort of I didn't hate Go for Broke I really enjoyed the parts you know really enjoyed the parts of the 442 mm. wish there was more of it you know I know there's a remake I've not seen the remake. Have you have you seen the remake? I know it was made in 2017, but I haven't yeah. I haven't actually had a chance to, to to see it. I know that Paul over on World War II TV, who we had on uh, for our Wild Geese episode, yeah, is going to do a special with some of the cast and the director. Yes, he is. So yeah, on the 25th of this month, being January uh, 2021, um, Paul's having a special the the remake cast of Go for Broke on his channel, World War II TV. I mean, obviously, if um, you're listening to this later date go back and watch it I'm sure it'll be well worth your time I mean we're big fans of him on this pod so uh, I think that wraps it up up for this week Matt I mean I really enjoyed just getting back to the old format we're, we're trying to plan some nice guests coming up things like that yep and the best way to keep up with what we are looking at and what we're going to be covering in the future is to follow us over on Twitter at Fighting on Film it's one of the best parts of, of doing the pod is, is speaking to everyone on Twitter and mm. getting to know what they think of the the films we're covering and what we should be covering next thanks everyone again for listening uh thanks for listening guys yeah drop a like a review comment subscribe and whatever you're listening to and have a good one catch you soon bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.